Chapter 9. Why Satan Can't Repent There is one more issue that the glory of God can help us to understand. It's an age-old question that I always wondered about as a child, and that question was this. Why can't Satan repent? We can repent. Why can't he repent? And the angels that fell with him repent. Not that I'm a big fan of Satan, but it never seemed fair that we can repent and he can't. To whom much is given, dot, dot, dot. To find the answer to this, we must begin with a simple biblical principle found in Luke. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Luke chapter 12, verse 48b. This principle pretty much speaks for itself. If God has given you a tremendous amount of blessing, God expects a lot of you. If you are financially blessed, he is expecting you to give a lot of your money away. If you have great wisdom in life and in God's word, he wants you pouring your life into others. If you have much authority, he expects you to exercise that authority with the attitude of a servant, not lording it over them. Whatever you have been given, God expects much from you. To whom much has been given, much is required. We find this concept also in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is in serving, then serve. If it is in teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then with encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Whatever you're supposed to do, do it spectacularly. This is what God wants. Yet there is an opposite side to this as well. If we disobey when having been given much, there is a greater penalty than if we had not. Therefore, in Luke chapter 12, we also read, The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does thing deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. Note the many blows comes to the one who knew his master's will but did not get ready. Knowing the Father's will will mean you have great insight. If we disobey great insight that is given to us, we will be punished severely. With great insight comes great responsibility. But great insight disobeyed results in a great penalty. This is why James says teachers are judged more strictly in James chapter 3, verse 1. We find this concept when Moses cried out to God, Show me your glory. What was he asking for? He was asking for tremendous insight. He wanted to know God and his glory in a personal, face-to-face experience. God said that he was going to cause his goodness to pass in front of Moses, but he added an addendum. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 20, we read these words. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. With the insight of knowing and seeing God, it would take us to a point of such accountability that our mortal, earthly bodies would not be able to handle it. We would instantly die. That is why God says no one can see God and live. So, what does this have to do with Satan? Well, let's consider what insight Satan and the fallen angels that fell with them had right before they fell. They were in the very presence of God. They were seeing him face to face. They saw his glory. They saw his power. They experienced the fullness of joy anyone experiences in his presence, based on Psalm 16, verse 11. They knew the unconditional love of the Father. They knew his will. He was their great treasure and delight. They had great insight. 
Compare that with us, where we walk by faith and not by sight. They walked by sight and not by faith. Yet, with all that insight, they rebelled. This perfect storm of great insight and rebellion took them beyond a point of repenting, which Don Richardson taught me was called the threshold of repentance. To help you understand the threshold of repentance, I'm going to make up a totally bogus scale, which will hopefully make this very clear to you. The scale. Let's say that seeing God face to face and knowing him perfectly is a 100 on a 1 to 100 insight scale. It is the total amount of insight any being can possibly have. Only each member of the Trinity has the perfect 100 rating when it comes to knowing each other. They know each other perfectly because they are one. Every other created being is finite and cannot know an infinite God perfectly. Hence, they have something far less than that, especially since they are finite and God is infinite. All humans have varying degrees of insight with God as well, yet their number on the scale is extremely low. Let's say an atheist have a 2, agnostics have a 2.5, nominal Christians have maybe a 5 or a 6, strong believers may have a 15 or a 20. Let's say a Billy Graham or an Andy Stanley have a 35. Now, I know these are totally random numbers on a totally made-up scale, but keep hanging in there with me. We all have a certain amount of insight that puts us on that scale. Only God knows what it is for each of us. But in order to understand what the threshold of repentance is, but in order to understand what the threshold of repentance is, think of a graph. On that graph is a line going straight up. In that line going straight up, there's a level just a little bit above the halfway point I'm going to call a 60. From 1 to 100, it's at the 60 mark. Below it is what I'm going to call low insight. Above it is what I'm going to call extremely high insight. That 60 is the threshold of repentance. If you're below a 60, you've got an opportunity to repent. If you're above a 60, you know too much. Kind of like the mafia, you know too much. And as a result, there is no opportunity for repentance. So let me repeat this or rephrase it. If your insight goes beyond a 60, at that point, you will have so much insight that you will have hit a no turning back point. If you are past that point and still choose to follow me all the days of your life, we'll be the best of friends forever, says God. You'll experience my perfect love all the time. But if you ever rebel by rejecting my glory, having insight that's beyond a 60, that will separate you from me forever. Because you have been exposed to so much of my glory beyond the 60 level, there will be no chance of repentance. Your decision will be final. You can only rebel once beyond this point. And when you do that, our relationship is over. There will be no chance to repent and turn back. You will not experience my grace or my mercy. So let's try to review this. If you rebel with an insight that's below a 60, there is always the opportunity to repent. God will be basically saying, because you have low insight and have not seen much of my glory, you are not beyond that threshold of repentance. Therefore, I'm going to give you the opportunity to repent. If you come back, my mercy and grace will flood your soul and you will have such peace and joy and restored relationship with me. We find God communicating this idea to the Israelites through the law itself. Look at what it says in Numbers. Now, if you as a community unintentionally fail to keep any of these commands the Lord gave Moses, any of the Lord's commands to you through him, from the day the Lord gave them and continuing through the generations to come, and if this is done unintentionally without the community being aware of it, 
Then the whole community is to offer a young bull for a burnt offering as an aroma pleasing to the Lord, along with its prescribed grain offering and drink offering and a male goat for a sin offering. The priest is to make atonement for the whole Israelite community, and they will be forgiven for it was not intentional. And they have presented to the Lord for their wrong, a food offering and a sin offering. That was found in Numbers chapter 15, verses 22 to 25. Text basically speaks for itself. When we sin unintentionally, God says, if you repent, I'll forgive you. This is what we find in the New Testament as well with the Apostle Paul. Note what he wrote to Timothy. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. The words, because I acted in ignorance, refer to being under a 60 on our graph. Note that Paul was shown mercy, being under a 60, even though he was tremendously disobedient, a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. We find the same thing when Peter is addressing the crowds in Acts chapter 3. To give you the context, Peter and John have just healed a lame beggar. The people were astonished and came running to find out how this happened. Peter then gives them a dose of reality, basically saying, Jesus healed this man. Remember that man, Jesus? The one whom you handed over to be killed by Pilate, but Pilate actually didn't want him to be killed and wanted to let him go? Yes, that Jesus, the one whom you disowned, letting a murderer go in his place? That Jesus healed this man. Though Peter was hard on them, note his following words. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah, who he has appointed for you, even Jesus. Acts chapter 3, verses 17 to 20. Peter's basically saying, because you acted in ignorance, and in light of what I'm saying, they were way under a 60 on the graph, he continues, you still have the opportunity to repent. Here is the same relationship to low insight and an opportunity to repent. The same theme is heard in the words of Jesus while dying on the cross. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, we read the words, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Because they didn't know what they were doing, their insight was well below a 60, Jesus was able to ask the Father to forgive them. Here is what we learn. Low insight yields the opportunity for repentance. Now, let's see how this truth applies to our lives today and in what seems to be in a paradoxical way. Because he loves us. It is out of God's love that he keeps our insights below a 60. Because he loves us, he doesn't show us himself. That doesn't seem very loving, but it has to be the most loving thing he could do. If he revealed himself to us and we clearly saw him face to face in the sky, we would be well above a 60 and our sin would cast us away from him forever. But because he loves us, he hides himself from us out of love. Does Isaiah 45 verse 15 make more sense now? Truly, you are a God who has been hiding himself, the God and Savior of Israel. Because God loves us, he hides. He makes the Grand Canyon look billions of years old. He makes the universe look as if it is expanding from a Big Bang billions of years ago. Why? (laughs) It's his way of keeping us under a 60. This loving protection is why we read the following. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints 
were not seen. Psalm 77, verse 19. Men and women, God doesn't leave footprints for our sakes because he loves us. If he did leave footprints and it was obvious to everyone that he is God, the creator of everything around us, he would be giving us a tremendously high insight. Then we could possibly be way above a 60 and be held accountable. This would separate us from God forever. And God doesn't want that. That's not what love does. Love protects. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. This also helps us understand why we do not see many miracles as they saw in the life of Jesus. Why? Because with today's technology of cell phones, TVs, internet, miracles being done openly and repeatedly, as in the life of Jesus and in the book of Acts, would be recorded and spread virally on the internet, raising people's insight. And if their insight is high, they're going to be held much more accountable. And if they're accountable and yet disobedient, they would be judged by God, forever separated from him. And God doesn't want that. Hence, fewer and fewer miracles. Now, let me be clear. God has no problem raising people's insights. In fact, it's the very thing he longs to do. And he will do it if we're obedient. No wonder Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and will show myself to them. If we obey Jesus' commands, high insight and obedience, Jesus reveals himself to us, meaning higher insight. Why we don't see many miracles in America. Now that we're clear, let's also be very honest. Most people in America do not want to be obedient. Let's just face the facts. Many want to know about God, but they don't really want to know God. They want to be entertained but they do not want to obey. As a result, I want to challenge you, God keeps the majority of Americans in sight low, and we see fewer miracles today than we did back in the time of Jesus. In keeping their insight low, he is not judging them, but giving them more and more years of opportunities to repent and obey him, which would yield more insight. He does all of this out of love. When I do hear of miracles, I usually hear of those that are done in the middle of China or Africa or India or in the heart of the Muslim world where Christianity has no momentum and where God wants to kickstart a movement. Those people have little to no insight. And so God is pleased to let them see a miracle for their sakes. Those miracles usually leak out in books or personal stories, but not on the internet or television. Many respond to God's love through it and a momentum begins though there are certainly those who will see it and still say no thanks to God. In either case, God gave them insight through a miracle for them to respond to him. But here in America, most of us don't need more insight. We simply need to obey the insight we've been given. And until God sees that obedience to previously revealed insight, he's not going to give us any more. Hence, we do not see as many miracles today as Jesus did back in his day. The good news in all of this is that since God loves you, you are way under a 60. (laughs) Therefore, you're always able to repent. But please note, all sin is simply rejecting the glory of God. By cheating on tests, we are saying, my grade is more important to me than your glory. By choosing sex outside of marriage, we are saying, this act gives me more pleasure than being in your presence. By cheating on our taxes, we are saying, saving this little bit of money is more pleasurable to me than your glory. By choosing to drown our sorrows out with drugs or alcohol, we are saying, this chemical will satisfy me more than your glory. It is as if we are stamping on the glory of God and dragging it through the mud. We are saying, Lord, 
this action, this person, these feelings is more valuable to me than your glory. Your glory doesn't really satisfy me, but this will. It is belittling the glory of God. All of this trash is the glory of God. This is when God's wrath gets aroused. Why hell is eternal. Now, if you've ever heard this before, learn it well. This is why hell is eternal. Hell is not eternal because of the sin we've done. Think through that. Let's say we sin flagrantly every day of our lives. How much sin is that compared to eternity? (laughs) It's nothing compared to eternity. And for nothing, a tiny, tiny, small, small, small amount of sin compared to eternity, we get an eternal penalty? That doesn't seem fair or right. Men and women, hell is not eternal because of the sin we have done, but because of the glory we have rejected. And because God's glory is infinite, our penalty must be eternal. If our penalty ever stopped, if we were annihilated or we got a get-out-of-hell-free card, it would be communicating that God's glory is finite, which it is not. Hell is eternal not because of the sin we've done, but because of the glory that we have rejected. And because God's glory is infinite, our penalty must be eternal. Satan and 60. Now let's get back to Satan and the demons. Do you remember what it was like before the original fall? They saw God face to face. They knew him. They knew his love. They saw his power. They knew his will. They were full of joy. All the angels, including Satan, had or have at least a 61 on their insight scale. Because of what they knew, they were beyond the threshold of repentance. Yet they still rebelled, even having so much knowledge of God's glory. And when they chose to rebel, their choice was final because of the amount of God's glory, insight, they had seen. There was no chance for repentance. Their insight was beyond 60. What was the result? Their separation from God would be eternal. Hence, we have the answer to the original question of this chapter. Satan and his demons cannot repent because they knew too much when they chose to rebel. That rebellion combined with their insight, the knowledge of God's glory, way above a 60, established a permanent separation from God. There was no turning back. Were they aware of this? No one knows. But their choices had been made. Bad choices can have long-term lasting impact. We have the freedom to choose to sin, but God makes the consequences of our sin. And this is what happened when Satan and his followers sinned. What about Adam and Eve? While testing this material on wonderful teenage homeschooled students at the Arite Christian Academy in our local area, Victoria asked a very insightful question. She said this, Since Adam and Eve saw God in the garden, they must have had high insight. Why could they repent, but Satan could not? Great question, Victoria. Though Adam and Eve saw God in the garden, they weren't perfect in beauty and wisdom like Lucifer. Nor were they receiving the worship of others and passing it on to God. Their insight was high. Absolutely, yes. It was probably somewhere around in the upper 50s. (laughs) But it was less than a 60. They could repent. Satan could not. Thank the Lord we humans are well below a 60. That is why in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. Out of love, God purposely keeps our insight low. When we do fall, remember we're bound to sin then we can repent. Because God's love designed us not to have too much insight at this point, we can therefore seek God's forgiveness and find it. 
What a God who thought all of this up. What a God worth worshiping and praising. All of this is key in understanding why God created us and the angels in the way he did. It also helps us understand the order in which he created us. All of it has to do with eternity future and the plans of eternity past. So let's get back to eternity future in the next chapter.